Joe for Junior Flemings. Thought he was one of the most dangerous players on the team last year. Went down to knee injury. They were still able to win cup without him. He hasn't fully been back yet this year. I think the way the team played this year uh, is, is not significantly different than last year, but they have changed a little bit, and he's still kind of adjusting to that. And Junior's a guy that Jesse, I think, uh, was very high on, so he wants to see him kind of uh, react to this type of, uh, of form for him or run of form for him. Uh, can he work his way through it and get back to the player that he was last year? Junior Flemings comes forward here. He's got Barry. He's able to cut inside of Austin Barry and rip it home. Fantastic finish. Hey, we were just talking about how he's got to get himself through this run of form, and that is a perfect way to do it. Getting the ball in the back of the net and uh, doing it consist consistently. Looking like the junior Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of the USL. Tonight, we're going to be talking about a big, big win over Cincinnati. I think the size of the win uh, was unforeseen by many. Uh, we're going to discuss uh, a player who is loaned out from the club. We're going to talk to Junior Flemings and see how things are going with him this season. And we're going to preview the game against Ottawa this coming weekend. And uh, I've I've actually added a new segment that we're going to be doing on a weekly basis based on a, uh, a f listener feedback. I almost called him a viewer, but listener feedback. Anyway, all that tonight on a big episode, episode 49 of Raising Bulls. Joining me this evening, uh, <laughs> he was missing last week as he was still fuming over uh, the sign, I guess is the nice way to say that. But he's here this week. It's Anthony Merced. Hello, Anthony. You mean, I love the sign. The sign was amazing. I know. I, I wish know. I could have been on last week to tell you how much I loved it. But um, I do want to say, at least this podcast isn't coming to you live from Connecticut. <laughs> That's very, very true. Uh, yeah, uh, a really puzzling move, I think, in general. For them to to put the game in Hartford, uh, but doubly so on this rivalry week. It, maybe they were worried that the Red Bull supporters wouldn't have a clever tifo, uh, but now I'm sure they'll, they'll have one up and ready. If there isn't a Hartford Whalers logo attached to it, I'll be very upset. Oh, that's. I mean, I feel like that's a, a sure sure thing, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, let's talk about this <laughs> Cincinnati match. Uh, the Red Bulls not only win this for nothing, but they score two additional goals after going a man down. Obviously, Cincinnati played midweek, had a heartbreaking loss to the senior team. A lot of players went 120 minutes in that, that match, including Austin Berry, who had a pretty difficult afternoon. But this was a big statement win. Uh, Bill and I were speaking last week about uh, where the Red Bulls sit and... Traditionally, this season, Cincinnati has not done well against uh, the teams at the at the top of the table. So, can we extrapolate that information? Are the Red Bulls in in the conversation 
at the top of the table, or are they still you know, basically what their record says they are? Um, I, I the, they are what their record says they are, obviously. Um, but I will say that they are looking more and more like a playoff team right now. I think they're a lot more solid moving forward. I think Bonomo has really solidified the striker position. He's going to be the striker for the remainder of the season through the playoffs as far as they go. And, and Jordan Scarlett has really made all the difference in, in the back line, although the Cincinnati game was had some tense moments in the back. I it's It was an interesting week, it, it, all in all, for the team in the sense that they were able to get a point from their third straight game. I mean, this was three points now, so they've got seven in their last out of their last nine. And Cincinnati has been in a downward spiral. Um, maybe their attention has been far too much focused on the U.S. Open Cup, um, which they were eliminated from. But, you know, they, they've only gotten one point out of the last four games. So it's it, it's interesting to watch their downfall while the Red Bulls have seemingly been able to get it together. Yeah, and I mean, in general, the Eastern Conference is on a bit of a downturn for a lot of the teams above them. So Bethlehem Steel's lost two straight. Rochester lost their last game. Tampa Bay's only got a point in their last two games. So they have an opportunity to climb up a little bit. Uh, Tampa Bay's a little bit out of their reach, I think. But uh, they can rise a little bit in the standings. Can they get to a spot where they get even a single home playoff game? I'm not positive. They have a very difficult stretch ahead. We can get to that in a little bit. Um, but they're, they're doing the job now in terms of not making huge mistakes. Obviously, you know, you, you mentioned a couple nervy moments at the back. GB uh, Fall immediately in the game this past weekend uh, finds an opportunity, gets it in the box, off the crossbar. If that goes in, this might be a different game because Cincinnati can sit back and wait a little bit more. Uh, but what I was encouraged seeing from this team is they have a tendency to wilt at the end of, of halves, and they didn't really do that in the first or second half here. Um, they scored a second goal to close out the half, which was you know, different for the team, I think. Just getting that extra insurance heading into the break. And um, coming out of that and finishing out the game, I mean, yes, Cincinnati was very, very tired, but they didn't really give up any more big chances. No, they didn't. Um, but yeah, and they again. One thing we have to take into consideration: they played very well at home this year, mm-hmm. not so well on the road. Although they did get a point in Charleston, which was we didn't talk about. Obviously, I wasn't around talking about it last week, which I think was a huge point for their confidence. Oh yeah. But uh, they they carried it into this game. They don't look like a team that's apprehensive right now. Um, they look like they have an identity, finally. Um, and as long as the roster isn't tinkered with by the first team, which I don't see why they would be for the rest of the season, they may be able to get some momentum going finally this year. And I think a big part uh, of their revival in the last couple of weeks, you know, I think already who I'm going to be talking about because I can't stop talking about this player from week to week. Oh, boy. Yep. You know who it is already. It is Andrew Tenari. He has been putting in fantastic work in the middle of the field. Um, I, I've championed this so many times, but it's not even necessarily that he's, he's making tackles or interceptions, um, but he's forcing the issue with opposing midfielders. They don't have time to pick out their passes. They have to move very quickly because he closes them down very fast. He's uh, smart about uh, his passing. 
he doesn't try to make these you know insane uh, number ten esque passes uh, to open up defenses. He keeps possession. He slows the game down when he has to. He helps transition to the attack from the back. He's doing a lot of good stuff. And this past weekend, we saw him in a role that actually was a little bit more like an attacking midfielder a la Vincent Bezicourt. He was getting up uh, to the top of the box and trying to take shots and just getting himself involved more in the offensive side of things. Well, you mentioned it. It's it's, uh, Vincent Bezicourt not being there. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe Tenari was was the kind of player that fit into that role. And now that Bezicourt's sitting on the bench for, for Red Bull, the MLS team, Tanari is is growing and he's looking like the player that I think a lot of us thought he would be. Um, he was playing out of position potentially for the for a good portion of the year, and now I mean he's he's looking like a completely different player. And you're right, like I was I was very brutal on this guy for a good portion of the early season, mm-hmm. but now seeing him where he is now, I'm I mean I'm on board. If he's going to play like this in that role, uh, he's the kind of guy that could really help them get to the playoffs. Now, the guy who was actually playing in Bezicourt's spot, Florian Velo, uh, continues to have a little bit of a tough time out there, still having trouble linking up or creating uh, chances. He did have an assist in this match, so you know he still did uh, manage to create something. Uh, but you could see it in these moments. There was uh, uh, one uh, part of the game where he got to the end line, took way too long to make a decision about whether or not he was going to cut the ball back in or take a shot, lost the angle for the shot. It became obvious what he was about to do and the, the attack was dead. That's what we've seen from him. And I think that's just, it's mostly a confidence thing. You know, we talked about uh, Sean Davis going through something like this uh, on seeing red where when, when things continually go poorly or you're not getting on the score sheet, maybe you're less, uh, you're going to take less risks. And by doing that, you're actually uh, compounding the problem and making it harder for you to open up the defense or to find yourself uh, uh, putting the ball into the back of the net. Uh, Well, I I don't know if it's as much confidence as it is putting guys in the right position. I think that Sean Davis was put in a position for the most part of this year, not to talk too much about the MLS team, uh, where he was being asked to do a role that really he wasn't comfortable doing. And now that he's being put in a position moving forward, he looks a lot better. And I think Velo needs to be on the wing more often. Um, the problem is this: that Red Bull 2 is loaded with wingers. I mean, you've got to get, you know, um, Zico Lewis into the game. You've got to get Junior Flemings into the game. Um, th- there's, there's a little bit of a, of a logjam in, in, that, in that position. So while he hasn't been good this year, I wonder a lot of the time if Maybe he's just not being put in the right position to do what uh, he does best. Yeah, I, I guess that could be. You mentioned two guys who I thought also had good games. Zico Lewis, uh, I thought was fantastic. That might be his best performance uh, for Red Bulls 2 thus far. He had two very good chances that he created off crossing. Uh, one was a free kick that ended up as a goal from Hassan Endam. And another one was, I think, just put wide by Bonomo, or maybe it was just over. Uh, but he's looking a little bit more comfortable and a little bit sharper. And I mentioned on the broadcast that I think mentally he's he's moving a little bit quicker. So he's not taking the extra touch. He's not uh, he's not slow to make the choice of what he's going to do next. It seems like he's deciding how the play should develop uh, when he receives the ball, and that's really what you want to see out of out of a player at this level. 
Yeah, completely. So, you know, it just... These guys need to be a little more natural um, in their positions. And I think that Red Bull 2 is the kind of environment that may uh, make you uncomfortable more times than not because of the needs of the team at that very point. And we've heard John Walnick mention it before, um, kind of not quite overtly, but talk about, you know, he's got what he's got for that particular game. So a lot of these guys are being asked to do three, four, five jobs that maybe they would not have normally been used to doing. So, I mean, look, it's their job. They've got to do it. But at the same time, when they are put in the proper position, we're really seeing whether or not they're moving forward. I mean, Junior Flemings is a good example of that. Yep. Yep. Fully agree. A couple more things before uh, we get to man of the match. Uh, Endom's second yellow slash red card. What do you think? I, I personally, I think that he was coming back to the ball a little aggressively. I don't think he fouled uh, on the play that led to the yellow card. I think he just put his head in, and because of the size of Hassan and Dom, it looked more violent than it was, but it was just two players uh, clashing heads. Um, but you also have to to think about that uh, and be a little bit more controlled when you're heading into a challenge when you're already on a yellow card. Absolutely. Just just what you said. Like, if you are on a yellow card, you have to be very aware of, of what your movements are going to be. And we've seen this recently with um, uh, a, a bunch of players uh, in, in the league, um, not just in USL, but also in MLS, who are just not thinking of the point in the game and what their, what their uh, status is at that very moment. So for for Endom, you know he he's got to understand uh, where what his status is. He's on a yellow card, um, and he's going in. He's got to understand that maybe um, there's a level of strategy that he has to take about it. But at the same time, he's a young player. He's also in the heat of the moment. We can very easily um, backseat quarterback here. The whole thing. That's what it's called. Armchair quarterback, the whole thing. I don't know. I don't watch football. Um, quarterback. <laughs> I don't know. I don't watch football. Uh, that's good. I have I have a fantasy football team, but I don't watch football. Um, yeah, so he, he has to be a little more aware, but that comes with the territory, and I think it is a good learning experience while it's going to be bad for the team. Okay, last thing before, <laughs> before player of the game. Uh uh, Backseat player of the game? No, no, no. Last thing before we get to player of the, the game. Okay, Or gotcha. man of the match. I don't know. What am I saying? You, you threw me what off with you your backseat quarterback, and now I can't speak right either. I te- by, uh, Backseat sidebar. driver is what I meant. Yes, sidebar. I tease my wife all the time about saying uh, sayings that aren't actual sayings. They're just like slightly off from what they should be. So she says... Bull. Like comparing apples and pomegranates? Yeah, exactly. So she says bull in a china cabinet instead of bull in a china shop. Right. Fair. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Uh, Kenzie, Ke- uh, Kenzie. What a... Kazu Shiganobu. That, that's the best last name to say on the team. Shiganobu. Shiganobu. Uh, fantastic match. Uh, his best since coming into the team uh, what, about a month ago. Uh, 37 for 39 passing, has an assist, uh, three tackles, an interception, and clearance. It was a very poised performance, and it's good to see an academy kid like that come into the team, not exactly struggle, but you know, uh, take a little bit of time uh, to get up to speed, and then start excelling. And that's 
you, all you could ask for for the existence of this team is to bring academy players in and help them grow like that, and that's exactly what we saw. Exactly, and look, we we don't want to see these guys fail, obviously, but um, sometimes failure is the best way for them to learn. And so when they make mistakes on this team, I am far less critical mm-hmm. um, than I am of the first team. And anyone that listens to um, uh, any of the team Red, Red Dailies <laughs> will, will know how critical I am of the first team. Yeah. Um, I'm far less critical of this team because I think that that's, this is how they learn. And Shigenobu had moments earlier in the season where he wasn't playing well, to be quite honest. But he was learning, and he's and he's getting better game by game. So now he's slowly becoming someone that can be relied upon. Uh, hopefully, we'll see him signed to a USL contract next season. Yep, yep, fully agree. Okay, man of the match. After all, after all that, who you got? I'm going Bonomo because the guy cannot stop scoring, even if it is on a penalty kick. Yes, I I do agree with that notion. Uh, he is on a tear. I'm going to give it to Junior, not just because he's our guest, but uh, he was very smart with... If you watch the replays for those goals and watch where he, he is before they develop, he was very smart about just riding that line. He kept an eye on Austin Berry, who kept him on side for, for both of those goals, and just did a great job controlling it on the first touch um, for the second goal. And for the first goal, that cutback was was everything that we've seen from Fleming's at his best. So junior and Stefano, congratulations. And speaking of junior, we're going to take a break now, but when we come back, we're going to talk to Mr. Fleming's. So stick around. Hey folks, uh, before the interview starts, I uh, just wanted to let you know that there are some audio problems during the first question. They're resolved as the interview continues and everything is fine. And now we are back joined by uh, another second time uh, appearance from the team, Mr. Junior Flemings. Junior, how you doing? Good. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, so I, I got to imagine this past weekend, it feels pretty good. You scored your first two goals since uh, July 15th. Uh, the team got a big win over uh, a, a playoff uh, a team, a, a team that has been, uh, I think, doing pretty well for the most part. Um, how did all that feel? Well, first and foremost, I want to give credit uh, to him. Uh, last season it was easy to get back on the pitch. I mean, mentally it was really tough, you know, being in the gym every day and watching the guys dream on that uh, lost person. So, I mean, you know, so I told myself I wanted to transfer all of my energy that I've been gained mentally by uh, by I'm being easy, you know, to so get back Basically, that's just what I'm doing now and just continue working hard. Uh, Junior, it's been a tough year, obviously, starting out the year recovering from your injury and now um, finally, you know, fighting for your spot at, in, the starting, in the starting lineup. 
Um, what, what have been some of the hardest challenges in 2017? Yeah, I would, I would say uh, it has a lot to do with, you know, our players on the first team and all that, but and also the fact of, you know, I was injured and out for eight months. You know, I didn't get to do preseason with the, with the team and all of that. So I still think uh, I have another gear to go, which I know I'm currently working on in training, you know, day in, day out. Uh, you recently got to spend some time with the Jamaican national team for the Caribbean Cup. Uh, did that help at all in maybe, you know, reacclimating yourself this season? Well, yes. I mean, to... to to get called for your national team, you know, says a lot, you know, I think for the senior team, you know, that uh, a lot of guys, you know, aspire, uh, I mean, at age of 21, you know, like playing for the senior team and stuff. And, and I got that opportunity and I was, you know, really grateful and uh, excited for it. And it was great. And I have experienced a lot, uh, you know, like international Soccer is way different from club soccer because, I mean, it's nations against nations, and it's pretty much like two nations going at war, you know? So it's different. It's more into soccer, you know? And I mean, yeah, uh, the experience has been pretty good. I mean, to be among uh, some of the older guys that have been in Europe, uh, in the MLS, you know, and doing great. So, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, Junior, so last year you you talked a lot about um, you know your goals of being a part of an MLS team. Obviously, injuries um, stunted that. But um, do you feel like you've gotten closer to that goal um, since since last year? Now that you're scoring goals, and you're um, I believe you're second now in in the team in goal scoring. Uh, yes, I still think uh, we have another third of a season to go, and I. I still think, uh, as I said, I have another gear. And I think, like, you know, once I start to get that foot in going, I think I'm going to be, like, really dangerous, as you guys can see, when I just started playing the league and stuff. So I just have to take my time and gradually try to get back uh, to 100% day by day. And the rest will, will tell. Well, I guess speaking a little bit more to that point, do you think maybe some of the, the struggles that the team had uh, to start the season uh, and maybe you had as you overcame your injury helped uh, maybe push you guys forward at this point in the season? Well, yeah. I mean, after last year, I mean, last year was a very uh, was a tremendous year, you know. I mean, I've been won all the titles and... You know, and so guys moving up to the first team and stuff, you know, like we all aspire to be the next guy, to make that next step. And I mean, we just have to continue to work hard. And uh, we also, like, you know, play with a lot of kids from the academy and stuff. So, I mean, they do look up to us. So we have to be somewhat of role models in training also. And we also look up to the first team. So it's like, you know, that step so that the guys in the academy, like, look up to us. We look up to the first team guys. And I think it's just more of, of uh, tradition stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the club in general, you know, says a lot, you know, the great club to be, you know, sort of, yeah. 
So you're now, this is your second year with the team. Um, who are some of the players, some of the newer players that have come in that you've enjoyed playing with the most, whether it be in training or um, in an actual game? Well, uh, internationally, I mean, if you, if you, I guess you guys know uh, Kemar and stuff, I mean, I think the next two or three years from now, I would really like to see that matchup with me and Kemar on that left side, you know, but I play uh, left and field or on the right side, whatever I hit, but I would love to actually like be on the field in the starting level with Kemar in the national team and see how that goes because I think it would be a really good combination right there. And, and also here at Red Bulls, I mean, I find it, uh, if not all of the guys, I mean, they're all great guys, you know, I mean, it's very competitive in training. You know, we all motivate each other. I mean, going at it at training, who wants to score, you know, like, you know, so we always try to be competitive. I mean, that's what I like, you know, it takes a lot. Junior, over the last month or so, the team's kind of uh, coalescing. They're looking a lot better. Um, with the playoffs fast approaching, uh, is the team, you know, is it enough right now that the, that the team is playing well and they're, they're doing well enough to make the playoffs and maybe make another run at the championship? Well, yes, most definitely. Uh, I think, I mean, we, we were the champions last year. We were the champions last year. So, I mean, like, all the teams, like, you know, they're all going to come at us. I mean, we all expected it. And we knew this season wasn't going to be as easy as last year. And, uh, yeah, I, I think we really finally forget at the right time, you know, close to uh, the ending of the season. And, yeah, we're really looking forward to making another push to, for the playoff and also to defend uh, the USL Cup. Uh, Junior, thank you so much for everything. Uh, we've got a couple of quickfire questions we started asking everyone. Um, it, it'll be a simple yes or no or one or the other. Uh, are you ready? Yeah, sure. Okay. Popcorn, yes or no? No. Super Mario or Sonic the Hedgehog? Can you repeat that one? Uh, Super Mario Brothers or Sonic the Hedgehog? Super Mario. Arsene Wenger, in or out? No. The English Premier League or La Liga? La Liga. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. That's all I got. (laughs) And uh, who's your favorite team to play as in FIFA? To play like uh, um, like uh, clubs like professional clubs? Well, my team is Barcelona. Oh, there you go. That's... And uh, in, in yeah, in England, I support Tottenham, I suppose, but I don't really have a team in England. But Barcelona is my team. Fair enough. That's a, a pretty good club, I would say. Well, Junior, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, good luck this coming weekend uh, in Ottawa. Okay, thanks, thanks guys for having me. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. And when we come back, we're going to preview that game against Ottawa. So stick around.
And we are back for our final segment. We're going to preview the game against the Ottawa Fury. Every time I'm about to say Ottawa, I want to say Senators. Every single time. Why would you ever want to say Ottawa Senators? Because that's just what, like, I. there's no other Ottawa teams that I think of right away. That's just, instead of Fury, I almost always type it. It's, it's. They're the worst it's Ottawa team ever. <laughs> the Senators? Yes. <laughs> All right. I hate the set. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, uh, the Fury are seven, eight, and seven. Uh, they are playing tonight. I don't know if they're still in progress. Let's see. Oh, they play Wait, tomorrow. What is that? They play tomorrow, not tonight. Okay. Look at you. Whew. Yep, that's me. All right. All right. Anyway, let's reset. <laughs> <laughs> The Ottawa Fury are 7-8-7. Seven, and seven. Uh, Tomorrow night they're going to be playing. Who did we just say they're going to be playing? The FC Cincinnati. FC Cincinnati. Thank you. Jesus. It's hard to remember the teams that we're talking about all night. Good Lord. Ottawa is in 11th place. They are only three points back uh, from the Red Bulls currently. They are 2-2-1 two, two, and one in their last five games with a zero goal differential. They beat Charlotte, which is very impressive, and TFC, which is not so impressive. They lost to Bethlehem and uh, Orlando City, and Orlando City really put a hurt on them. They won 3 nothing, uh, And they drew Tampa Bay, which is also, I think, a pretty fair result. Obviously, the last time these two teams met, Ottawa and uh, New York drew 2-2 with a goal very late when New York was winning. Uh, and they came back and defeated the Red Bulls 4-3 at MSU. Their leading goal scorer is Saito Sion. He's got five goals. And Steven Dos Santos with four goals. The double E. Love that. Uh, but overall, That's five E's. <laughs> yeah, but only two in Steven. Anyway. There's no five E's. Five, oh, because I held it out that long? Okay. Yes. Fair enough. Come on, Joe. I, I'm all over the place tonight. I'm not going to lie. I'm very tired. This is what you're getting. <laughs> uh, this is a Jekyll and Hyde team, right? They can look like world beaters yeah, in one moment, and then, like, uh, what, what's the opposite of world <laughs> beaters? They can look terrible uh, in others. They have uh, a defense that can be very stout or porous, uh, an offense that can be prolific or dry. It is... Very difficult to get a good read on this team. Obviously, not only are they dealing with the transition from NASL to USL and the travel that that has entailed, uh, but they have also had to add players from uh, Montreal who are now working their way through their squad. And now a coaching change. Julian de Guzman has taken over the role as head coach from um, Paul Daglish, who was seemingly let go, resigned. I uh, don't really know. It seemed like oh, a mutual parting hot, of the ways. Hot take. A Daglish abandoned the team. Oh, boy. I see. I see where this is going. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Manchester United in me. Um, Ottawa. Ottawa's been a very good team for the fact that they are first. This is their first year in the league. I think that the NASL teams that have come over have had a few issues with the with the travel in particular, but they've they've done really really well. And and the fact that Ottawa's only three points back of Red Bull Two really shows that 
Um, they have had problems integrating the uh, Montreal players into the team. But at the same time, um, I think that they have they've done a few things right in, in their consistency. It's why they have seven draws on, on the season. They've, they've been able to be pesky to the good teams, maybe not take advantage of uh, the team that they probably should be, which is what leaves them in the position that they're in and what makes them so dangerous to Red Bull too. One of the things that I think they've done well when they when they are playing well is that they don't have a single uh, a focus of their attack that you have to close down, uh, otherwise they'll beat you. They can be very good about you know spreading the offensive output around the front. Um, they've got speed and they've done well overlapping, crossing the ball in, or trying to play through the middle. But that's not always there for them. And it's it's kind of confusing to watch, I think, from my perspective, because I don't watch them every week. We only get to see them, you know, uh, in snippets, uh, watching highlights and, you know, talking about those games um, or when they play Red Bulls, too. So it's a little bit weird, I think, um, from the analysis perspective of that, because it's hard to really nail down exactly what is the problem uh, with them at times. Welcome to the world of minor league sports. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, so let's There's a level of unpredictability that just you, you really can't account for. That's true. And, you know, there's nothing we can do about making uh, or being able to predict those things. So let's do that anyway. Um, what is your prediction for this match this weekend? I'm thinking Red Bull 2 have got it together. This is a 2-1 win. That sounds like a really nice thing. Um, they're obviously going to be on short rest. So, again, this could be a good time for Red Bull to catch a team that uh, is playing, even though they're playing at home, is playing on short rest and with travel. So I think I will agree with that assessment, but I'm going to say it's a 3-2 to two game. Okay, uh, around the league. Wait, 3-2 other... Red Bull or 3-2 Ottawa? 3-2 Red Bull, yeah. Ah, okay. Uh Around the league, uh, matches to keep your eye on. Obviously, the Cincinnati-Ottawa game, let's hope for a draw. That'll be the best for all parties involved if the Red Bulls can win this weekend. Uh, Same thing with uh, Pittsburgh and Bethlehem, another draw to to hope for. You've got Cincinnati, or Cincinnati, St. Louis playing Tulsa again for the second time this season. This is so weird that they're playing a Western team twice, but okay. Uh, Hope for Tulsa to win. And then Orlando City B is playing Louisville City. Hope for the Louisville win. Uh, Agreed on all of those. Yeah. Uh, if that all goes down, uh, Red Bull will be able to vault up the standings a little bit higher. Okay. Brandon Allen. We talked, you know. What about Brandon Allen? We talked about him going to, on this loan. It might not be a great thing for him because of the striker that they already have there with Christian Ramirez in Minnesota. Uh, but you know, nothing that you or I could do to stop that from happening. And Allen is out on loan with Minnesota United has not played a minute in the month or so that he's been there. Um, doesn't mean that he won't get some looks heading down the stretch, but, uh, it looks like Abu Dunlady, uh, and Christian Ramirez are maybe going to play as a two man front. They've brought in Ethan Finley. They already have Miguel Ibarra, so it's not like... I mean, I wouldn't imagine they would put Brandon on the wings anyway, but if there was a possibility of some playing time there. Uh, Is this a bust of a move for Brandon? 
Um, I don't know. Um, uh, if he was hoping for minutes to be on the field, yes. Uh, if he's hoping to get a get paid to not do much, no, it's not. Um, so yeah, it really depends on on what his goals are. I would think that in a move like this, sometimes for a, a striker in particular, especially a, a one who was somewhat prolific, uh, to struggle to get on the field can sometimes be a good thing. But he already had that situation with Red Bull. So that that's where I, I become puzzled with this. You know, if he's going to sit on the bench and struggle to find minutes over players who have more um, uh, experience at uh, the MLS level, I I just don't understand that side of things. I could understand Minnesota wanting to have sort of like an insurance just in case something happened to Christian Ramirez, but to not see the field at all in all this time and knowing that Minnesota really hasn't been doing anything in the league, they've been okay, uh, but they're still, I, I don't see them as a playoff team. And, you know, why not give some minutes in that, in that sense uh, to Brandon. I agree. This guy scores goals. Um, yes, they've all been on the USL level, but how do you know what you got unless you uh, unless you play them? And Red Bull didn't do it, and apparently now Minnesota isn't. Yep, that's exactly right. Although I understand why he wasn't playing at Red Bull, but uh, uh, less so. I have some I have some apprehensions as to why that was the case, considering the fact that there were moments where he could have been subbed in. Maybe. Maybe that's true. Um, okay, new segment alert. We are going to be, uh, thanks to a, a bit of listener feedback, uh, there was a call for something that I think we haven't done necessarily. Um, not not that we haven't done this at all, but I don't think that we have done it in depth. And the nature of our show and talking about these young players and talking about this team uh, really calls for it. And that's to, to go through a player and talk specifically about their qualities and what they bring to the table. And so we're going to start doing that every week. We're going to pick one player on the squad and we're going to talk about them at not at tremendous length, but at length to give you a, an idea of their skill set. This week we have to talk about the man who is uh, just on fire. He's a friend of the show. He was on a couple of weeks ago. It's Stefano Bonomo. Anthony, if there was one quality that you had to, to think of right off the top of your head that really encapsulates Bonomo's game. What is it? It's his even-keeled nature. The fact that he's been able to come in and score goals for a team that desperately needed them and has been cool. I mean, you could probably take this guy's pulse and it hasn't raised at all during the during the entirety of his, of his time. And that's not to say that he doesn't play with intensity at times but i think you're right i think oh, he's, he does he's very level-headed um when you see him receive the ball in traffic uh the, something that i i've praised many players on this team uh specifically tyler adams for in the past is they don't look uh they don't show the pressure necessarily that they're under and i think there were some moments uh since bonomo's come back from his injury where he's still just kind of getting his feet under him, where he might have a bad touch here and there. But his footwork is so good uh, for a front man that it's really hard for opposing defenses 
to knock the ball away from him without keeping a man uh, on him at all times. If they want to sit back and just try to negate the pressure of him receiving the ball with his back uh, to the, towards the goal, it's not going to work. Agreed. I um I I think that though he he's been able to do a lot of the things that we wished some of the other striker options would do for this team. So it's been really good to see, and it's also been good to see an option that Jesse Marsh isn't interested in at this very moment mm-hmm. on this team that John Walnick can rely on week in and week out, and not have to worry about replacing on any given Saturday or Sunday. Yes, I fully agree with that. Uh, I'm also somewhat impressed with uh, his, not in the same way that that Allen is an opportunistic finisher, uh, but Bonomo seems to be doing a very good job of just being in the right place at the right time in the box. Uh, There was a, a header that he missed that we talked about earlier in the game on a feed from Zico Lewis. Uh, from the right side of the, the the box, he crossed in with his left foot, and Bonomo just did a great job of very slowly moving away from his defender uh, just before the ball came in, so that he had a lot of space t- to potentially put this header on goal, but uh, unfortunately did not. Well, I mean that that's what a good striker is supposed to do. They're supposed to be in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. So, um, which is what makes what Bonomo's been doing that much more impressive. Because in the time that we've seen him uh, before this, um, maybe Allen was over overshadowing it a bit. But um, even in 2015, it didn't seem like he was necessarily that kind of a striker. But he's come into it and he's he's been able to be in those places when the team has needed him to be. Um, and, and, I mean, we see this with Bradley Wright Phillips. There's always a constant criticism of, well, Bradley Wright Phillips isn't David Villa. And I always argue, well, I mean, his stats certainly prove that in MLS, um, that, that he is that. Uh, and he makes it look easy because he is always in the right place at the right time um, and doesn't necessarily need to make his own openings. Uh, and Bonomo's been that kind of a player since uh, since emerging onto the scene this year. I think that's one of the weird things with strikers when they're criticized for that. Uh, they're criticized for being, you know, a guy that just puts the ball into the net. Uh, that's their job. Right. <laughs> so if if they get a chance and they can finish it, that that's perfect, even if they're not involved with a lot of the game, which is something that we've always liked from Brandon. Uh, but here's my question for you then. Uh, Bonomo, obviously not immediately in the first team's plans. Uh, they have other strike options. But if he continues to do this, even if it's not with Red Bull, do you think that he's going to have a shot to to make it in MLS one day? Uh, it depends on the team. Uh, MLS is a really hard beast to predict. They, uh, people rely on guys that they probably shouldn't for far too long. And sometimes guys fall into the right scenario where they play almost automatically. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to predict. M- MLS is a weird weird is probably the best term I could use for it without being too mean to the league. Um, But a lot of times guys aren't necessarily rewarded on merit and what they do on the field. So if he's to move on, it really depends. Because just in terms of, of what he brings to the team and how he looks out there, he kind of reminds me, I I mean, maybe people are going to get angry at me for saying this, but he kind of reminds me of Wondolowski a little bit. Sure, but I mean, th- think about what Brandon Allen did for this team and how he hasn't been able to get minutes anywhere. 
right. mean, the, the guy scored like a bajillion goals at this point and and can't get a single minute in MLS. So, I mean, this that, is the, the weirdness of the league. I guess that's true. But my, my thing with Brandon is uh, so many of his goals came from the penalty spot and his work off the ball has not matched what it should I think for, for but he scored goals when, but he scored goals when, when he's needed to again, like, you know, each player is very different. Yes. He scored. He didn't score a majority of his goals from, from, from the penalty spot. He scored a good number, but he was still able to score goals. I mean, he's been able to pounce on balls on rebounds and, and been in the right place at the right time. So the fact that he hasn't been, been on the field, for an MLS team, despite the fact that he's shown that ability, is one of those signs. Is like, well, you know, guys aren't always rewarded for their merit in the USL in this league. That's true. Uh, specifically about Brandon, uh, the way he closed out last season, I thought he was very much doing those things. The way he started this year and has played uh, with Red Bull Two up until the point of his trade, he wasn't really doing a lot of those things. He he got a couple of good chances uh, in the box but a lot of what he was uh, creating and scoring were not in the run of play true but he was also in and out of the team a lot he yeah. didn't start yeah. the year with the team and then got brought in and then got pulled out and then got put back in so it, it, he was he was all over the place um this in in 2017 that's true that's true okay uh, we have one more bit of business before we're out of here. We did not get an email today, of course, because I talked about how we have stickers now. So uh, <laughs> I guess that is not enough of a motivating factor just yet. But I should have uh, sent an email so I can get a sticker. There you go. Send an email, Anthony. You'll get yourself a sticker and you'll be good to go. You know that. Uh, I'm over it. Yeah. <laughs> Arjun will get a sticker just because. Uh, but uh, I think that the wonderful poster work that was done by not lens last week is well deserving of a sticker. So not lens, please get in touch with me. Maybe I'll reach out to you on Twitter uh, and we will set that up so that you can get a sticker. We'll get this ball rolling the right way. Maybe I'll even get Anthony. And I do disapprove. (laughs) We'll get Anthony to sign it. Maybe that'll make it extra flammable. Yeah. And you, (laughs) I just got that. Um, (laughs) <laughs> uh, good times. Anyway, that brings us go. that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, th- uh, whew. Reset. Ready. <gasps> that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at underscore Joe Goldstein. And I am at Attitude AJM. And Bill, who is not here, is Bill TNJ. Have fun on your vacation, Bill. And if you want to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull Cast. And of course, that's all on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Raising Bulls. You can go to RaisingBulls.com where we encourage you to send your emails to questions at RaisingBulls.com. That's questions, questions at RaisingBulls.com. Where can you send those emails? To questions, questions at com. <laughs> Just in case you weren't sure. I've been putting that up a lot recently, just to maybe... Yeah, so send us some questions and watch the games, you losers. Oof. There you go. At least, even if you don't have a question, guys, you can totally send hate mail. We are okay with that. We'll read the best ones. You'll get a sticker for great hate mail. Isn't that worth it? Uh, Sometimes, you know. Sometimes. Sometimes. 
Don't know how horrible I am. I'm I'm the worst. He really is the worst. I cannot stress enough. You guys, I mean, well, send us your SummerSlam review. <laughs> there you go. You guys have to deal with him on Twitter sometimes, but like, I talk to this guy in person on a regular basis. Yeah, Joe suffers hardcore. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, you can also uh, listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Please find us, rate us, review us. It does mean everything to us, and it does help. Uh, for myself, Anthony Merced, and Junior Flemings, thank you very much, and have a good night. Sufficiently slow. Uh. Dude.